Welcome back to Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. And today we have with us uh, Eric from Black Star Line Cigars. This is his second time on the show. And I was just telling him a few minutes ago that he's one of the few who uh, done like a second tour of duty on Deep Cuts, as I call it. But he's uh, really one of the, he was one of the season one guests. So we're on season four. And Eric was on back in 2020. I looked it up. It was like yeah. episode 38, 2020, September. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot has <laughs> a lot has changed and probably gone on since uh, you were last on Deep Cuts, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I didn't realize it had been that long. But, yeah, I guess yep. it was on IG Live when we first did it. Yep. We, we were sitting here doing uh, Instagram Live, and, and I think we were still in that uh, – moment of thinking like well maybe things will get better and we'll be able to travel and do all the other stuff again and we still had another couple of months uh before at least the traveling could re- restart but anyway yeah thank you for coming back on and uh, i look forward to for catching up with you mm-hmm. so eric and i uh a couple weeks ago were in vegas for the premium cigar association pca trade show um and, you know, every time you and I see each other at a trade show, I always say, like, you should come back on. And then something happens and my schedule usually gets gets completely screwed up. But yeah, this year I was like, I'm going to make I'm going to make it an effort to get Eric back on. And you responded back really quickly. So thank you for, like I said, uh, making it easy for me and coming back on. Oh, to yeah. The show. Yeah, there's no problem because I knew I was getting back on the run. I'm going to Minnesota August 19th, so I was like, let me let me knock it out before I go. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's, it's just been been crazy with my travel schedule and everything. So, yeah, I'm glad it worked out for both of our schedules. When we first spoke back in 2020, you were mm-hmm. kind of you weren't new to the cigar stuff, but it was still early on in Black Star Line's whole career. Yeah. Um, in w- within the, the cigar industry compared to where you are now. Now I see like you're working with different factories. I mean, you're still working with Aganorsa, but you're working with uh, different factories. You have several different cigar lines that are, you know, in there. Like when I see you at trade shows now, you always have a line of media wanting to speak to you. Um, when people have the discussion, because, you know, it's funny, back in 2020, we were talking about, um, being a black-owned cigar brand, how that really shouldn't matter, and yet here we are in 2023, and now I hear that there are retailers who have customers who are telling them they want yeah. black-owned cigar brands represented in the humidor. So, right. kind of a different angle on that thing, but still um, interesting. So, what's it been like for you these past three years that you've been on? What, what, how would you describe Describe your journey in the, in the cigar industry. It's, it's, it's a complete whirlwind. Uh, I think when when I came on your show initially, I, I may only had El Milagro and, and Woolwich, but uh, since then I brought out Dark Woolwich, which was the follow up to Woolwich. It's the same blend, but it's a Crowho ninety nine wrapper, and uh, it has Molijero in it. The original Woolwich has a Connecticut shade on it, so the Dark Woolwich is, is a darker wrapper and it's a little stronger. Then I also brought out Lollibella. Uh, Lollibella is a San Andreas rapper, Nicaraguan binder, and filler, full body, full strength. Um, that's been a fan favorite of everybody for those that like a, a really strong cigar, you know. 
Um, also, I started working with Taba Coletta La Isla uh, in Dominican Republic. So that's my first time working with a, a Dominican uh, factory. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Fahrenheit, one of my new releases that I brought out for PCA is coming out of that, that factory. Um, and then the one that I'm really, really proud of is Rosewood 1923. And that's the blend that I did with uh, James Brown and Obeja Negra at Black Label Trading Company. So um, that one is a San Andreas wrapper with an Ecuadorian binder and Nicaraguan Dominican filler, uh, medium full, full body stick. So, yeah, so there's two new releases that's, that's coming out uh, like within the month. And then, uh, you know, all the other stuff that I brought out in between me being on the show and now. So, yeah, but it's just been a whirlwind. I've been traveling everywhere. I'm in a couple of cities a month. I do three events in each city I go to. Uh, last year, I think I did approximately uh, 90 events nationwide. So we stay busy. Um, that's, that, that's how you have to push the brand, though. So, you know, I, I miss some family time. I miss some birthdays sometimes, some significant events. But... You know, that's the nature when you're starting. And it, it kind of doesn't really matter what businesses it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to put in the work for, you know, whatever you're trying to do, if you want it to grow, you know. And that's, uh, I don't I don't want Black Star Line to ever be stagnant. So I always stay in front of, of my retailers. I stay in front of the customers. Um, just just making sure that everybody knows that we're around. Because there's, there's literally thousands of cigars to smoke. But you got to make sure that whatever your product is stands out amongst the other 999 that they have on the market. So, yeah, but yeah, it's just been crazy, but it's, it's a good crazy up. Yeah. And we're going to, uh, of course, talk about the new releases, um, in a few minutes, but mm-hmm. you has, would you say that things have gotten easier or have they kind of gotten more challenging for you as since, you know, you started this whole journey of making this like a full time effort? Um, I would probably say a little bit of both, but more so on the easier side, because the more people hear about us and the more people talk about the product, the easier it is for me to get placed in, in lounges. Because like you, you mentioned when we started, is is customers asking for Black-owned lines. And um, I don't really ride like having to be in a Black-owned line. I, I, I ride having great product, and I just so happen to be a Black man, you know. But I, I will prefer my product stand up before anything else. And then I'm I'm secondary, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gotten tremendously easier because we're more well known and I have more people reaching out to me, more people that want to deal with us, more people want to get to know us and, and everything. And more people are smoking the cigars. So the longer we're in business, the easier to get, you know, because um, I don't have the problems that I when I when I started out, you know, because it was a brand new line. Nobody heard of me. Uh, they were concerned if I had bundles or not, or, you know, if I'm just buying a blend and putting a band on it, but I, you know, I actually blend every, every, every product I have, every cigar I have, I blended it. So, um, that's kind of the difference between me and some other companies. Cause so a lot of companies, they want to go the quick, quick route so they can get on the market really fast and they'll go buy an existing blend out of like Tampa, Tampa or, or Orlando. And then they'll have their band made and put it on that existing blend. But that same blend might be sold somewhere by a different person in Texas. You don't know, you know, but every blend that Black Star Line has is unique to us. And it's, it's unique to me because it came from my mind. Yeah, because I remember back in 2020, you were saying like some some media um, outlets, like they didn't want to cover you in a way like they would cover everyone else because you were starting out or whatever. And now it seems like when I'm at a trade show, like I said, I see 
you always have a line of media people there with the oh, camera yeah. and videos and and yeah. they're ready to um cover you with ease now so that must be yeah. a nice thing and i've seen you on some yeah. of the big the big media platforms in the industry now without mm-hmm. you know before I, I guess that they were you know holding out waiting for for some magical um <laughs> thing to happen but now i see it like i can you know yeah. go on half wheel and even mm-hmm. you have a press release you're you're there and so mm-hmm. like that at least that part of it like set the notoriety and people know who yeah. you are now like that's at least gotten a little bit easier which hopes hopefully makes the marketing and selling of your products a little bit easier as well yeah well the people are starting to realize that black star line isn't a fly-by-night company we're, we're here to stay mm-hmm. so you know and i'm gonna keep putting out great blends you know, I, I just won't stop it. If it's something, if it's a sample that I put together and I didn't like it, I won't put it out until I got it right. So, you know, the uh, the consumers, the rest assured that I'm going to continue to put out a uh, great product. Yeah. And, and you know, not, I feel like you were among one of the pioneers to be like a black owned. I know you don't want to, you don't want to focus on that stuff, but to be a black owned brand in the cigar industry because there have been several others that have really emerged, I would say, in the last, you know, since the pandemic years, as we call it, um, yeah. you know, really kind of emerged and come out there. And they, and each one, to me, is like more different and creative in how they approach the cigar industry and branding than, you know, some of your bigger companies sometimes. Like, it seems yeah. like the black home companies are willing to take a bigger risk um, mm-hmm. with how they market, how they brand themselves. Um, some mm-hmm. of the come to mind for me are um drunk chicken of course because everyone's mm-hmm. like that, that name and if you meet desiree you know she's a character right. um but right. she knows her stuff um and nomos uh is another mm-hmm. one i mean it's like you all are really kind of coming out there and, and starting to it reminds me of like when the cigar industry was just starting to have the boutique people come in and yeah. they had a, a group of them who really kind of led the way um mm-hmm. And now it feels like you all are starting to lead the way too, showing like, you know, you can be a black owned company and do things, you know, great and have great yeah. product and be taken seriously. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I use social media a lot to, to uh, promote uh, email blasts. Uh, I got a videographer. Like I, I'm, I'm taking all the steps to make sure that all my content is really good. And then I also share a lot of when people post stuff, smoking my cigars. I share the, I share those posts as well, so that that helps to get the name out. And then my team, we post we post our posts like everywhere on Facebook, Instagram. Like we we get it out there, and just flood the flood the uh, the internet, you know, so everybody can see like you know Black Star is here, you know. And it's still a, a ton of people that never even heard of me before. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's funny because there are so many different social media platforms now i mean mm-hmm. we have you know instagram facebook youtube um mm-hmm. now you have threads tiktok you know so mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities for you to reach new people um right. and like i said i do see that you're taking advantage of um the fact that there are so many smokers out there who are smoking your products and you're sharing their their content um mm-hmm with the world, like once they, it's almost like, it, I think they call it user, user generated content, UGC. It's a big market and or big oh, yeah. thing in marketing. Um, so you do have that advantage where people are smoking mm-hmm. your products and that's 
to me, that's a telltale sign because some retailers, yeah. they look for that kind of stuff. Like, are people really talking about this brand? And if they see that right. you're you're talking about it, and that changes their mind and go, oh, okay, th- this is, you know, this is something serious. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very true because I, I get a lot of lounges that don't carry me and they follow me because they, they're watching to see uh, how the brand is doing. I've also gotten business from Instagram because uh, I've had people come by the booth at PCA or TPE say, hey, we've been following you on, on Instagram for a long time, just watching to see how things are going. And we're just so intrigued by how you're growing and we want to bring you in, you know, and it's just so and the greatest thing about it is social media is free. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. spend time on social media and want to argue with people about bullshit and stuff like that. And I just use it for business and, and to laugh at stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, it's totally free and, and you can make money off of a, off a platform that are totally free, you know. So a lot of a lot of companies need to realize that and capitalize on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so getting back to some of your new releases, mm-hmm. the one that stands out to me is probably going to be the Rosewood release just because yeah. of the name. Okay. Um, you know, we're going through something in our culture. I'm trying to be careful with my words. <laughs> we're going yeah, through something in our culture <laughs> where history is like, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of history isn't really taught in schools, and you kind of realize that. And that's something that I realized mm-hmm. during the pandemic, um, because there are so many great books. There's a book that I always used, to, I talked about a lot back in the pandemic, which is um, stamped out from the beginning, um, okay. which was talking about the Black history and, the, and how it fits into America. Um, mm-hmm. You realize there's a lot of history, like I said, that's not taught, or it's it's kind of right. twisted around. So mm-hmm. I remember when you announced Rosewood, how people, you know, were like, oh, you know, that's a strange thing to name a cigar after, like as if a cigar can only be named after happy things or, or good things. And I was like, right. well, that's a strange, that's a strange take to, or, you mm-hmm. know, direction to take with this cigar. So what was your mentality yeah. behind it? Like, like you obviously have a plethora of different things you could choose from to name a cigar yeah. after. Like, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that release. Yeah, so like I said, that's coming from through Oveja Negra. That's uh, the factory that uh, Black Label Trading Company's products come from. Um, it was James and I were talking about a whole different theme for the cigar, but I, I think we're going to use the. I'm going to say that theme yet, but because we're probably going to use it for another release that I do with him. But <clears throat> it was just weird, like when I was thinking of what the name of the cigar should be, Rosewood kept popping in my head and I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why. And then I finally like Googled Rosewood and it, 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 this was the end of January and I Googled Rosewood and it turned out the 100 year anniversary of Rosewood had just, would just passed in January. So it was almost like the spirits were telling me like, no, you need to name it. Cause it was such a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, wow, the 100 year anniversary just passed, you know, that month. So I was like, you know what? No, it's, it's almost like the, the victims of, of the race ride. They wanted me to name the cigar that because a lot of people don't know that even happened. And for those that are watching this, Rosewood, Florida, uh, the whole town was was decimated. Houses, uh, people were killed, women, uh, men and children, you know. So um, that was my way of paying homage to them. And then furthermore, my frat brother, John Singleton, uh, that did Snowfall, um, 
he did a movie on Rosewood in the early 90s. So he passed away uh, maybe like two or three years ago. So that's my way upon paying homage to him as well. So it's, it's a dual meaning for me, you know. So I just, I'm, I'm really big on history and paying homage to people that came before us. So I thought that was a good way to do it. And then it's also a good way to get people talking about getting rid of, getting rid of hate. Why, why are we hating each other? You know, whether you're black or white or you're gay or straight or whatever it is. Why, like, why, why are you hating each other? It doesn't, it doesn't need to happen. So while you're enjoying the good cigar, I want, I, I like that dialogue to happen. So, so we, so this, so this stuff can stop and everybody can move on and, and live together peacefully, you know? So that's, that's why I, I chose to uh, call it Rosewood. So, yeah. And oh, then uh, Cigar Dojo good. did the dance. Yeah. yeah, yeah Cigar Dojo did great, the dance for me. Like I said, I think it was a great choice to name it something like that because it did get people talking. And it brought mm-hmm. attention to an event that not a lot of people have heard about. Even I, like I said, because I came up through the North Carolina <laughs> school system and we are not taught certain things, you know, a lot of the, the history and stuff is kind of sanitized. Um, right. And it's not until you get to the college level and then you have to get into even deeper courses that you're, yeah. you know, exposed to more stuff. And by then I, I feel like that's not too late, but you're just like, wow, you know, you're like, I didn't know that happened or there's a lot that you just realize that you're not really taught. Um, so I, and a I gentleman think, told me once, he said, he said, you die physically, but when you really die is when people stop talking about you, mm-hmm. you know, when you're gone from this earth and if nobody's telling stories about you or, and you just become forgotten, it's like you died twice. So, you know, I want to make sure that people still know, you know, what happened. And we're going to we, we'll keep those those ancestors alive and keep their story alive. Because, you know, it's just a horrible, horrible situation, you know. And they and they, they deserve their respect because they, they paid the ultimate price. They gave their life. The, the sad part is that there's, you know, threads of that history are still existing and work weaving itself into our own history today. So, you know, it's a lot that, um, like I said, I just like that release because it did bring attention to something that, like I said, that you could easily have chosen to name it something cutesy or, or, you know, light. And and the fact that you chose that and we're we're able to get that message out through all the different cigar media, through all the Mm -hmm. different retailers now that came to the show, um, I think it was Mm -hmm. great. And then, like, when that cigar sitting in a humidor... I always tell people that stories tend to sell cigars a lot more than rapper buying the filler information. Indeed. So, Indeed. That's know, very true. When people look in a, a humidor and they see all these different cigars there and a, a retailer, I, I think a retailer is going to have a very easy time remembering the story behind that, the Rosewood. I think when yeah. they you know, tell that story, it makes it, you know, it will connect that cigar and all the work that went into it a little bit better with the consumer. So I think that's, like I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a good release. Uh, it was, a, it was a, I was pleasantly surprised to, to read that release and the story behind it. Cause I was like, finally, someone, someone tells the story. Cause we, me and other people always have this discussion about what, what sells a cigar today. And we're always like the story, right. but there's so many, yeah. there's so few companies now that what, really take the time to dig into the story, you know, that, right. Uh, when you do get a good story behind a cigar, 
it really stands out. Indeed. I agree. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. On the flip side of that release, what was it like working with James and Oveja Negra? That was fantastic. He's, he's very well-versed on tobacco, uh, much more than me, because he's been around longer than me. Um, but, yeah, it was a very pleasant uh, uh, process. Um, he knew exactly what I wanted. Uh, he knew how to execute what I wanted, and he put together exactly what I wanted. You know, um, I didn't go to the factory because it, it was a, a time constraint, but mm-hmm. I'll probably be in, in, in Oveja Negra sometime in December. Uh, I'll be down there blending something else uh, for another release I'll do it through them. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it was a great process. It wasn't dramatically different than working from working with Aganorsa or El Tiden de Bronze or, or Tabacla La Isla. You know, it's very similar process through all of them. None of them gave me a really hard time. It was, was it hard to deal with any of the factory. So, um, and I was just really excited to work with them because James was one of the first people I reached out to when I was looking for a factory when I was starting a company. And our, um, our anniversary is a- uh, April 5th of 2018. And yeah. uh, that's when, uh, yeah, that's when I, because I kept the email. And that's when I first approached him about, you know, working with him. And he shut me down, you know. And then um, basically how it played out was I got into the cigar industry and then I met him at uh, uh, Underground, at Underground Fest in Fort Worth uh, right when the pandemic started. So we talked a little bit and he, he kind of remembered me, but he saw my Black Star Line hoodie and he said, man, is that the Black Star Line from Ghana? And I was like, yeah, kind of. Marcus Garvey is associated with Ghana. And uh, he, I was like, wow, that's, I was like, that's cool. You know some history. And he was like, man, I lived in Ghana for four years. So he was like, yeah, I know a lot about the Black Star Line and Marcus Garvey and stuff like that. So I, I was really impressed with that because like, a lot of people don't know about Marcus Garvey at all. You know, so I was impressed by that. So it might have been like a month later. I had already been following him on Instagram. And all of a sudden, he started following me. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So then like two weeks later, he sends me a message uh, uh, via the DM on IG. And he says, hey, man, I started following you two weeks ago and I've been looking at your page. And he was like, dude, the way you branded that page out, he was like for a brand new company, pretty much. He was like, you're doing a fantastic job. And he said, based off of how you did your Instagram page, you can use my factory anytime you want. So that goes back to what I was saying about social media is important because the bigger companies are looking at what you're doing on your page. Because if you're growing, they want to see what you're doing so they can improve what they're doing to, to increase their market share. Mm-hmm. So the bigger companies are looking, you know, that's how Boofy started following me, you know. So because um, he said he's been looking at me for a while, too. And he's, he told me the same thing. He was like, bro, like your page is great, you know. And then he, he told me, he was like, man, you're, you're breathing new life into this industry. So, um, so yeah. I, I get a lot of attention from the bigger companies and they, and, and they really respect what I'm doing. And it, it, it's because it's new blood coming into the industry. So you're getting the new blood is getting more people to smoke and they won't just smoke my stuff. They're going to venture out into other people's companies, which will be their companies as well. So not only am I helping myself, but I'm helping everybody as well. You know, we, and the cigar industry is all love, man. Like everybody thinks, oh, it's all competition. No, all, every cigar owner I know, we're all friends. And mm-hmm. we, we don't compete with anybody about anything. We do, when we see each other, it's all love, laugh, joke, smoke, drink, you know, talk about what releases we got coming out. Maybe we, you know, if we do a collaboration together, that type of thing. 
other than that, I haven't personally experienced any kind of like backbiting or anything like that. I'm sure it does exist. I just haven't experienced it. But I, I make sure I keep good company with, with great owners that don't uh, take part in any stuff like that. So, Yeah, and that goes to the whole business uh, tip of, you know, surround yourself with good people. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't surround yourself with good people, then that kind of energy or backbiting and all that kind of stuff that you talked about can easily kind of get in, in the way of your company uh, and yeah. its product and how things kind of roll out. So, um, mm-hmm. Now, the other release that you talked about is Mr. Fahrenheit. So oh, yeah. That was, that was a nice uh, – it's, it's, tell the story behind that one. How did that come so about? Mr. Fahrenheit, yeah, Mr. Fahrenheit. I've been, I've been holding that name for years. Uh, I just didn't know who I was going to release it through. And uh, when I when I did the blend through Tabacalela La Isla, and also the owner of the factory is Terrence Riley's cousin. So I was trying to get away from Terrence. I just can't seem to get away from him. So, but uh, Mr. Fahrenheit is a firefighter uh, tribute cigar. It has a firefighter on the band. Uh, um, it's, it's a dual meaning to that one as well. I'm a huge fan of Queen, and Freddie Mercury is just awesome to me. And uh, it's... It don't stop me now. He sings about Mr. Fahrenheit in the song, so that's originally where I got the name from. In the song, "Don't Stop Me Now," so I've been I've been holding that name literally for probably about three three years. And then when I smoked, uh, I, I originally released that release at Underground um, Underground Shop in Fort Worth at, at NFG. It was in a robusto size of five by fifty, and like everybody went crazy over it. They said it was one of the best releases for for that event uh, that year. So that prompted me to bring it out as a regular production. So it's not a five by fifty this time. It's a six by forty six, a Corona size, with a uh, with a shaggy foot. So you get a chance to taste the filler before you get to the wrapper. So um, it's a Connecticut broadleaf with a uh, Dominican binder and Nicaraguan Dominican filler. It's a medium full cigar. So uh, yeah, we, we did uh, one hundred twenty five boxes and one hundred twenty five bundles. It's five thousand cigars total. Uh, Rosewood is 10,000 uh, cigars, and that's 400 boxes and 100 bundles. I do everything in increments of 20. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Um, so what was it like working with that factory? Because I know for some people, they may not be familiar with that factory, but I think it, it was one of them that emerged over the last couple of years and it's starting to do some, yeah. some big things in the industry. So what was it like Um kind of working with a factory that is a bit newer? Um, it's some of the process is a little bit different. Like the importation is different than say Aganorsa because Aganorsa mm-hmm. includes everything in the price and they'll just import it. So I pay everything up front. Whereas with like typically like Isla, it's kind of a piece. You got to piece everything together. Uh, the importation is different than the, uh, than the cost of the cigar. Uh, Osos is very easy to work with. He's a very nice guy. Um, he uh, he responds very fast. He's not slow about anything. Um, you know, it, it, it was a very easy process. If if he has the tobacco available to work with, he can or, or he can get it for you. Either or. Um, now I heard about the factory initially uh, when Warp because Warp started working with La Isma, and they did the Chinchale through. Uh, through the factory. So that's my first introduction to the factory. Then Ostos actually sent me a message on Instagram. I think we were at 
no, we were at PCA, uh, not this past one, the year before. And he asked, could he come by the booth and, you know, give me some samples to check out what he's done already and see if we could do some work. Now, I get a lot of those messages all the time. You know, I get mm-hmm. a lot of factories that want to reach out to me and do some things. A lot of factories I've never heard of before. When Ostos reached out to me, I told him it's cool. You, you know, you can come by the booth, we'll talk and, you know, see, see, see what's going on, see what you got. So he came by and talked to me, left me some samples. I smoked them. I thought they were okay. And then I followed up with Terrence and to see what he thought about me working with Ostos. And he says, well, you know, disclaimer, you know, you know, that's my cousin. I was like, I know that's your cousin. But, <laughs> are, you know, removing that is, are the cigars coming out his fire? Are they good? Because I hadn't had a lot of them out of there. So I needed some kind of reference. So he, he uh, told me to talk to uh, Danny Dickowich. He owns uh, La Serena. And he does mm-hmm. that out of La Isla. So I, I called him and he sent me some samples. I smoked them and I was like, those are pretty good. So I put a blend together for Ostos. He sent it to me and I didn't like it. You know, that, that was Mr. Fahrenheit. I didn't like, initially I didn't like it. Uh, I'm, Cause I'm used to working with just Nicaraguan tobacco and I'm, I haven't really, I use a little bit of uh, Dominican tobacco, El Titan de Bronze, but not a lot. But this mm-hmm. is where I use more of it, you know. Uh, so, but I was, I didn't give up on the blend. I was like, let me let it sit for a while and then I'll, I'll keep smoking them periodically and see what happens. So I think I let it sit for like maybe about a month and a half and I smoked another one and it was phenomenal. So I was like, okay, I see how to deal with his factory. Anything I roll out of there, if it has Dominican tobacco and I need to let it sit, you know, a month and a half, two months before I release it. So that all the flavors and everything come out of it. Um, so and true, true to what I'm saying, once, once those cigars sat for a while and they made it to underground, Oh, they perform like crazy because everybody's waiting for that release to come to come back, you know, because it sold out at, at Underground. So everybody's waiting for it to come back, especially in that different size. But uh, yeah, working with La Isla is great. It's great. I'll, I'll, uh, I have other blends that I, I got through them as well. One of them is a Sumatra blend that I did, Sumatra wrapper. Um, it's, it's delicious. So I'm waiting to bring that one out as well. So yeah, the Tabacolor La Isla has my attention. Uh, they, I will be doing constant work with them as well as Agonors, as well as Oveja, and then I'll be going back to El Titan at some time, too. Yeah, it's funny, because back in, what month was it now? <laughs> it's January. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Nicaragua had the um, the Nicaraguan Cigar Festival. Um, yeah, Pure Sabor. And someone, yeah, Pure Sabor. And someone mm-hmm. was, uh, and I was telling somebody, like, I'm going to Pure Sabor, and they're like, well, you know, we got into this whole discussion about cigar factories and basically okay. their, their spiel was, Oh, you know, you've seen one factory, you've seen them all. And I'm like, not really. I was like, first of all, yeah, not necessarily. I was like, yeah, I was like every factory approaches it completely different. Like, especially like really? if you take this Nicaragua by itself, you have so many cigar factories there. N- mm-hmm. Not not one of them is like the sim- like similar. Like you can't say like, Oh, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. Like, if you go, I think during that trip, I saw the J.C. Newman one. So Pensa, I think okay. I saw okay. um, Agnorsa uh, Factory, mm. um, you know, Hoya, um, Villager. None mm. of those factories were the same. And they all, you know, they all make, you know, cigars. So the similar right. product, but a completely different mm. way of doing it. So um, oh, yeah. what you said about, you know, the, the process being different. I know people are going to watch this and think, you know, why is the process different from, you know, these factories? It's like each factory really is different. Yeah, they operate there different. Yeah. And there doesn't need to be, I know the government, FDA wants to like standardize 
some, you know, of how cigars are made for whatever reason. But, you know, there is no standard currently. And they all kind of, you know, they, they all have a goal, of, of course, of creating like the best cigars. But just how they get there is kind of fun to watch and deal with. So yeah. I'm sure you as a brand owner, um, you know, from working with Agonorisa and Oveja Negra and and the new one, you I mean, mm. you get to see different processes and that probably helps you because now when you are working with a different factory, you can say, let's try this, let's try that. You know, yeah. this one over here, let's try it here. Mm. And you're introducing maybe some new processes and approaches yeah. to this to that factory. So mm. well with La Isla, I learned how to import uh, cigars in myself. So if I need to do it myself, I know how to do it. You know, because like I said, <laughs> with uh, yeah, with Agonorsa, they would they all that was built into the price already. So all I would do was pay them, and then they would ship it out. You know, so so that would that was a a good learning experience for me because I now I know how to uh, import in. I know you know where to where when the S chip uh, fees are getting paid and all that stuff. So because Agonorsa would pay that you know for me, you know, so I didn't have to do that, but. Yeah, so I, I know how to do all that now, you know, because that was something that was uh, foreign to me initially. So, so yes, I'm learning something every day by, you know, talking to different people, talking to different factories. Yeah, no, it's funny because I'm smiling because during, our, I mean, you can tell that you have a lot more, like, experience with the nitty-gritty stuff today mm-hmm. than you did back in 2020 when we spoke. Like, yeah. You had experience back then, but now you can like when you're talking about like S chip and like and import. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like like you know exactly what you're talking about, and yeah, just and that comes from experience uh, in this mm-hmm. industry. And it's probably the stuff yeah, I know, like, people. I know what needs to be paid to keep me out of jail. No, but there's so many people who who fantasize about creating their own cigar brand or own cigar line. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when it comes to the actual work of like, well, you got to do this step, this step, this step, this step. And like yeah. 500 steps before you actually get to like, you know, smoke the final product. Yeah. They, they, you know, a lot of, it's not for a lot of people. They, they yeah. kind of flame out in this industry pretty quickly because they realize they just don't have the manpower or the time or resources or money to keep going yeah. um so yeah you know yeah and it, i mean it's not just those it's other fees is you know whatever state you're in you gotta pay fees to them uh you might have a city fee you might have a county fee you know depending on where you are because here in chicago yeah there's a cook county fee they charge 30 cents per cigar uh the state size 36 percent you know so and then you have to file all that stuff every month you know and then not only every month but then they have a quarterly report as well so a lot of people want to get into the cigar industry and think all oh, this is, is just easy and this is fun because they see pictures on Instagram. They see the, you know, events. They see people smoking and drinking and laughing and that type of thing. And it looks like a great time if you're a consumer. <laughs> but when you when you get into the manufacturing side, oh, it's a bunch of other stuff. That's why my hair is going gray a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if we look back at the at, at the interview from 2020, I got a lot more gray from, from then, uh, you know, until now. You know, yes, it's, the president. It's, not, it's not an easy business. The <laughs> 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 president curse when presidents get into office, you always look at their pictures mm-hmm. during their inauguration. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the inauguration of the person coming in after them, and this looks right. like two different, completely different people. So, right, 
right, yeah, right. it's a lot of stress. It's not it's not an easy industry to to be in, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's more challenging every every year. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't get easier. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very true. Because uh, you know, I I didn't realize it was that much paperwork until I started doing it. But I'm used to doing it now, so it's 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 nothing now. But you know, it's uh it's definitely it definitely work. You know, um, but Illusione helps me out a lot because uh, I'm distributed by Illusione. Mm-hmm. So I've been distributed by them at least I think a year and a half now, and uh, they've been helping me out tremendously because the, my orders have been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I used to store everything here at the house, and I, I you know, I want to stay married, so I don't want, I don't <laughs> want the whole basement full of full of cigars, you know. So uh, I was actually trying to buy a building here, a warehouse here in Chicago, so I can just start, you know, distributing myself. And then I got approached, uh, I, 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 uh, the opportunity to work with uh, Illusioni uh, came, so I, I had a conversation with Howard. He, he told me how things run and what you know what what they want in order to store all my stuff in Reno and then for them to ship it out and all that. And I was like, man, that's cool. It, Cause it, you know, it takes a lot, a lot of work off my hands. Cause I used to ship it, anything that went to lounges. Uh, I shipped it. Uh, I also, I also sell direct to consumers. So any, any order that comes out of that website, I'm personally packing it up and, and shipping it. So a lot of that stuff is just time consuming. So now mm-hmm. I don't have to do the retailer side because Illusione does that. Now I just focus on shipping uh, from the website, you know, any, any, uh, any orders that come through there. Now, the website has slowed down a, a lot, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's, it's good because it's slowing down because I'm carried in more lounges. And a lot of people want that instant gratification, whereas if they see the cigar in the lounge, they're going to buy it right then. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going on the website, buying it, then have to wait for it to be shipped and all that stuff. Now, the website is still good for the areas that I don't have a presence in. That's why I still sell off the website, because there's people in the areas that I'm not carried at that want to support me. So that's their way to get into me, you know, uh, if they don't want to go through like small batch or provider club or underground, because all of them have online uh, sites that sell my products, too. But um, I don't I don't compete with any of my online uh, retailers at all. There, um, my price is going to be very similar, if not higher than, uh, you know, the other sites. So I, I try to make it so you can't run and try to get some, get it like cheaper somewhere else. It, it's going to be pretty much the same across the board. So, yeah, so that's so retailers can feel comfortable there, even though I sell online, that I'm not trying to undercut them. Because honestly, I could go on my website and sell cigars for $8 a piece. I could do that. But I'm not because then I screw my retail partners and I'm not trying to do that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and I yeah I was listening to something um, a couple of weeks ago where retailers were talking about what you just described, which is mm-hmm. you know some cigar brands that sell cigars their cigars on their own website and yeah. like you know is there like a cigar a cigar industry etiquette like their take was. You know, oh, you know, I think just what you just talked about, like, I feel, mm-hmm. not that they feel threatened by it, but they're like, oh, you shouldn't, yeah. like, if you're a cigar manufacturer, you shouldn't be selling cigars on your own website and stuff, because that makes our job harder. But I'm like, that's how, I like, but I'm like, this is like 2023, like, this is how everything, like, outside of the cigar industry works, like, you can buy any product, not any product, but there's a lot of products that you can go directly to the manufacturer 
uh, of their yeah. product, and they will have some type yeah. of online store or something where you can buy it directly from them. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, the consumer usually goes to the, the retailer that they are most comfortable with buying. Right. Like there's sometimes right. where I'm like, where I'm sitting here, take a, a vinyl record because I buy lots mm. of vinyl. Um, yeah. <laughs> am I going to buy it sometimes from the the artist website? Or am I just going to buy it for Amazon? Because I know Amazon, I don't have any trouble with them getting it to me and I don't have to pay a spend, mm-hmm. uh, extra fee. I'm usually going to go with Amazon or whatever, you know, so right. or that right. retailer. Or sometimes I'll go with Target or Walmart, you know, even though yeah. it's available on the manufacturer's website. So I, yeah. that's how I kind of feel about the cigar industry. It's like, like you said, most people probably aren't even going to think that, oh, let me go buy this directly from the manufacturer like they're going to go right. to their retailer to look right. for that product first that's how i feel well, but maybe yeah I'm perfect right. example is like i mentioned uh small bag mm-hmm. so there uh there are several of my cigars that are sold out on small bag um and a lot of those they're sold out because they have their own customer base and the customer base can their customer base can honestly care less about my my website because mm-hmm. they do business with small bags they want my cigars, but they do business with small batch, so they buy them from small batch. They don't buy them from me. So, and I'm fine with that because all I'm going to do is sell small batch some more, you know, so that helps me out either way, you know, so I'm still winning, you know. So I want people to buy from where they're comfortable. You know, I don't, I don't compete with my online retailers or any retailer, you know. I, I don't want people to run from, run, run from the retailer to come to me, you know. Buy, buy from wherever you feel comfortable at. So where do you, you know, I think I asked you this question back in 2020. So it'll be interesting to see what your answer is now. But, you know, what are your plans for Black Star Line now? Like, have they changed any from 2020? Or, like, you have more, a more, like, concrete kind of plan plan that you're following? Um, well, I really like... Uh I probably said this before. I really like uh, Roma Crafts uh, model where they they like to stick right around 200 accounts. Uh, I'm roughly at 100 right now, so I like to get to that growth and uh, be able to you know uh, pick up 100 more accounts. And we may actually try to go over that number, but I got I don't have any sales reps, so I got one sales rep right now that handles seven uh, states for me. Um, another company that I had, I fired them because they weren't doing any job. They weren't doing the job right. They were supposed to cover 23 states for me. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking to grow to that number. Um, next year is our five-year anniversary. Um, I'm putting together a blend for a five-year, uh, fifth-year anniversary celebration for that. So i got a factory that, I'm a, that I haven't worked with before that I'm going to do it with. And when, once, I, um, once I put that blend together, now I'll release who that factory is going to be. But it, it's, it's another... Uh, major factory that's that's going to look really good for black star line to work with so um i uh but yeah that, that's what i'm looking to do is because roma crap they're like they're, they're big brothers and, and mentors to me so i and i like what they're doing um so i you know i'd I like the pattern uh the growth towards similar to their growth yeah i think like you know skip martin definitely has a unique approach to the cigar industry that works for him. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's a good model um, and mentor probably to have uh, in the industry because he definitely, um, I mean, 
he's had great success with his his brand, as you said, Roma Craft. Um, so yeah, you couldn't pick a better person to emulate <laughs> or to, to help set your goal. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they they're doing a phenomenal job. Uh, when when Mike was out uh, last time he was in town, he actually came by the house and came in here and, and sat in the garage and smoked with me. And uh, you know, he just wanted to uh, just give me some knowledge. You know, he was in town and he wanted to spend some time with me and see see what I was doing. And, uh, and you know, tell me uh, anything he can to help me. Uh, the, the best thing that he told me uh, was, I think they've been in business 10 years, I think. And he told me, man, the same thing you're going through, we went through it. And we're still going through it. It's just on a whole different level than what you're doing. And he was like, you're going to get to that level. It just takes time. So, yeah. So, they, you know, I, I really appreciate the, the big brothers, my big brothers in the industry. because they, They're looking out for me. They, they want to see me win. Like I said before, if I'm winning, then that means that they're going to win, too. Because eventually, if they don't smoke one more crap, they will. Eventually. And as much as I talk about them. So, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, they'll be, uh, you know, any of my following will be trickling over to them and, and vice versa. Now, in, in the during the course of this interview, you've mentioned a whole bunch of different people in the industry. Um, is there anyone that you, you know, if you ever get to the point where you're going to collaborate with, another company uh, on a cigar that you haven't already worked with? Is there anyone that you kind of have on a wish list of uh, someone that you would like to work with just to see what happens? Yeah, if it was possible, I would love to work with Sean. That's my big brother. I would love to do something with him. Because, you know, he had his own company before, El Primamundo. I think he's still selling some of the cigars distributed through PDR. So, but yeah, I would love to do something with Sean. Oh, Boofy. You know, those, those will be two two great ones to work with. You know, they're great friends of mine. So I think those will be fun projects to work on with because I consider them family. So it's just like, you know, you're working with your brothers to produce something good. But, yeah, those are the two uh, just off the top of my head that I would love to work with. Yeah, and just in case people didn't hear that, I know that there was a little bit of the audio hiccup. So Sean from Cohiba, who works with Cohiba mm-hmm. right now, and Matt Booth. Um, yeah. Or, or would be his collaboration. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Sean with Sean Williams and Boofy. At, at this point in the show, I usually like to kind of wrap things up by asking two questions. So this is something new. So you, when you were on the 2020, I didn't have this. So it's okay. fun uh, that you get to go through this now. Um, so the first of those questions is, do you have a philosophy okay. you live by? Yeah, don't save things for later. Do it, do it right now. And procrastination, it, it, it'll kill you. It'll kill your business. So I try not to procrastinate on anything because my memory isn't the greatest. So if I put something off, I'll mess around. If I, if I don't tell somebody on my team about it, I'll forget it if I don't do it right then. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll tell Cliff, my VP of sales, or Brad, my sales manager, you know, I'll tell them what I'm thinking about or what I'm supposed to do. And then if I forget, they'll remind me. So yeah, I did. my philosophy is to, to avoid pro- procrastination. So, you know, that's 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 my main thing, and that's what keeps Black Star Line going because I don't I don't let things sit on the back burner. Um, I want you to finish the sentence. Eric Bay is the greatest. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Eric Bay is very thorough in everything that he does. You know. Um, and that piggybacks out the procrastination. I, I, I make sure I stay on top of things because when you're dealing with uh, companies, 
in, in, in third world countries, the factories, you know, they have a different way of doing things. They, they're not in America. We're more, uh, you know, real time sensitive, whereas in the other countries it's not like that. So if you're not on top of everything, it's easy for your project to get uh, derailed because you're not checking on uh, if the bands made it to the factory, uh, you know, or are the boxes done? Uh, perfect example. I didn't know. I have a release that I did for Benny's. And I, I didn't tell you about this one, but I have a release I did for Benny's and it's mm-hmm. called John Baptiste. So John Baptiste Point Du Sable. He's the founder of Chicago. He's a black man. He's Haitian. So I wanted to pay homage to him. And it, it was it was right because Benny's is, is, a, is a Chicago-based uh, liquor chain. It's 47 locations. So they wanted me to do a special cigar for them. So I did it for them. So the problem was, it, the, the cigar should have been in the States already. The problem was the bands have been were sitting in customs in Nicaragua for two months. Oh, so Agonosa was having a real hard time getting the bands out of, out of, out of, the, uh, out of customs because the paperwork that was sent from Action Label um, in Sanford, Florida, it was something that was off on there, something real minute. And the customs really scrutinized it until the updated paperwork was sent. So it took two months to get the, get the paperwork over there. And um, so to satisfy customs, so Agonorsa can get the bands out. So Agonorsa has the bands now. So they're, they're actively boxing the, uh, packaging the, the cigars and putting the bands on them so they can ship them to here to Illinois. Because I'm doing a big launch party for that release here in Chicago at the biggest Benny location in the city. So, but that's a perfect example. If you're not checking on what you need to get the product out of Nicaragua, then you're not going to get it. You know, so you got to constantly check on, you know, your bands, the boxes, are the, are the cigars rolled, are they in the aging room? It's a lot of different factors that you have to follow up on to make sure that your project meets the deadline that you that you want, you know, because if you don't, it's not going to meet the, it's not going to meet the deadline. Um, since we have a little bit of extra time, what advice do you have for people in the cigar industry right now that you kind of now, you know, when I asked, I think I asked you the same question back in 2020, like what, yeah. what advice do you have for someone new in the cigar industry? Well, now you've been in the yeah. cigar industry for a long time. You've experienced yeah. stuff. You've kind of mm-hmm. seen how things work. You've seen mm-hmm. the probably and some things that kind of need improvement. So yeah. what's one thing that maybe the cigar industry could improve upon <laughs> and what, what would be your solution to that problem? Uh, what could the cigar industry improve upon? Um, hmm. That's a good question. Um, hmm. You know, I'm not, not sure about that one. I haven't, nobody's ever asked me that one before. Uh, I mean, I guess, like, when I started with Agonorsa, uh, the lead time to get cigars out of there was three months. Mm-hmm. Now it's six, uh, due to how busy the factory is and how many uh, private labels that they're rolling cigars for. Um, I guess that's an issue for me because we're small and we, you know, you pay 50%, whatever you order, you pay 50% of it up front. So, you know, if I if I send if I pay Agonorsa sixty grand, I'm not making any I'm not making anything off that sixty grand for six months because I don't have the cigars. Mm-hmm. So I'm back for three months. The three months wasn't wasn't that bad, you know. 
But the longer it takes to get the cigars and the more money you put up front is the more, and, and especially for a company my size, it hurts me a little bit because I, I can't recoup on that money until I can actually get the cigars and sell them. So, you know, I, I guess the solution to that would be is, is to get more rollers. But the problem with that is, is a lot of rollers are, are, are running from Nicaragua when they're coming to America. And then when they come to America, they're not working in the cigar industry. They go get a regular job. Right. You know? So it's weird, you know, because I've heard about rollers that want to want to leave Nicaragua from uh, that work at Agonorsa. And they want to go work at the uh, Agonorsa location in Miami. But that's a small location. So they don't have any room for any, you know, extra rollers there. So right. if they leave Agonorsa and they come to the, the States, they're not going to that factory in Miami. They're going and I don't know. Uh, you know, doing construction work or something, whatever they, whatever they're choosing to do, because they can make more money doing that than what they were doing rolling cigars. Um, and also, I guess what would help the cigar industry uh, for retention of rollers is probably need to pay them a little bit more so they won't be trying to leave, you know, and, uh, you know, come to America and totally leave the cigar industry. Because clearly if they're rollers, not everybody knows how to roll. So because I don't know how to roll. But if they if they know how to roll, that's a skill that they have, but they don't have anywhere to take it to and they just go and do something else. So if they pay the rollers more in Nicaragua, then they won't be trying to leave. Could you tell people who are not watching this what website they need to visit and what social media they need to follow in order to keep up with you and Black Star Line? Of course. Uh, the website is www.blackstarline.shop. And then on Facebook and Instagram is Black Star Line Cigars. So that's how you can find us. Uh, or you could just Google Black Star Line and uh, you, all, everything about me comes up. Interviews, website, all that stuff. You know, So it's, it's easy to find us if you're looking for us. Cool. Well, I want to thank Eric for coming on. For those of you who want to watch this episode or even Eric's first episode that dates back to 2020, it's all on youtube.com slash deepcutslive, or you can also go to deepcutslive.com um, and find this interview and all the other 130-some interviews that we've done. Um, so you have plenty to keep you entertained and uh, educated for a while. Thank you for watching, and thank you for listening, and until next time. <laughs>